Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, why can't the child victims of murder be named anymore? Court reporting is a really specific skill. On top of the usual requirements on journalists, legal acumen and knowledge is a must, because reporting on the criminal justice system is always subject to certain restrictions, Then they're usually designed to protect vulnerable people. As my colleague Ian Kern wrote in an explainer on the journal this week, these restrictions are mandatory, they're automatic, and they flow from a number of disparate pieces of legislation. So why am I talking about this now in this episode? Well, a recent Court of Appeal judgment considerably changed certain long-standing practices related to how the media reports on certain crimes and obviously how you hear about them. This change practically means that anyone under the age of 18 who has been murdered cannot be named in public once a person has been charged. If their suspected killer was a family member, that person could never be named either, even if they are convicted. Think about a high-profile case recently of a teenage girl being killed. She would never have been named, and right now I cannot name her. If a person who was a victim of a sexual crime when they were a child, but now as an adult want to talk about their abuser and their experience, they too are precluded from doing so. Just this week, Ortiz Claire Byrne interviewed someone in this situation, and they couldn't use her name even though she wanted to. Justice Minister Helen McEntee said she has been approached by the families of children who have been killed, who felt they had been gagged by this ruling. She also said she's going to change the law to rectify these anomalies, but we want to look at how we got here in the first place. To explain what has happened, I'm delighted to be joined today by RTE's legal affairs correspondent, Orla O'Donnell, and Fianna Fáil TD, Jim O'Callaghan. Thanks so much for joining us. Orla, you have double expertise in this. You obviously cover these cases every day, but RTE itself was also involved in an appeal against the initial ruling which led to this odd situation. But can you bring us back to basics first? Can you explain Section 252 of the 2001 Children Act? What does it say and what was its intention? Yes, well, this was a section that said where there are any proceedings for an offence against a child or where a child is a witness in any proceedings, uh, nothing can be published which identifies the child. So not their address, school, anything about them that might be unique and might lead to their identification. Um, And I suppose the intent of this, or as far as reporters were concerned, as far as anybody who was dealing with the legislation was concerned, was that the child would be protected. So a living child would be protected. And of course, that was something that was paramount to anybody who'd be reporting, anybody would be very aware of the sensitivities around it. Uh, So where a child was the victim or the alleged victim of a sexual crime uh, or where there was an assault or where there was anything that might, where publicity might damage the child further or where there might be identification of that child, uh, nothing could be published. Uh, There were two um, caveats to that. The court in subsection two, the court can dispense with these requirements if it is satisfied that it's appropriate to do so in the interests of the child. And it, the court has to explain, the judge has to explain in open court why he or she should do that if he, if he or she decides to do that. Uh, but that all led journalists and court reporters to, um, to act and to believe, and most lawyers, I would say as well, as if this section applied only to children who were still living. Uh, so where there was an offence against a child and that child had died, if, where somebody was charged with their manslaughter or murder, uh, it had never occurred to anybody that Section 252 of the Children Act could apply. Uh, it just didn't it didn't occur to anybody. And if you look at the subsection, which says that the judge can dispense with the requirements in the interests of the child, that would give you further comfort that it applies only to living children, uh, because how could a dead child have any interests that needed to be protected by the court? Uh, so until this case arose, it, it was presumed by everybody operating in the criminal courts in this way that it applied only 
to a living child. But uh, the Court of Appeal found differently and, and said very clearly that the language in that se- section doesn't differentiate. It doesn't say anything about deceased children. It doesn't say anything either about children who are now adults uh, and may have a different view about anonymity or identification. So the the Court of Appeal ruling came in the case of uh, a a mother charged with murdering her three-year-old daughter. What was applied from the Children's Act in that case and how did we get here? Yes, this was um, a a mother who was charged with the murder of her three-year-old daughter and she was found not guilty by reason of insanity of that murder. Uh, Now, before that case began, uh, the Director of Public Prosecutions applied to the court for a ban on identifying the child uh, and this meant that the mother couldn't be identified either. Um, And this was quite unusual. It hadn't happened, hasn't happened in any other case to my knowledge uh, and people were not expecting it. But when we went away and looked at Section 252 of the Children Act, you could see that there wasn't anything in that legislation, in the wording of the legislation, that differentiated between a live child and a dead child. So whereas we were initially up in arms and thought that this was not a normal application or ruling by the High Court or by the Central Criminal Court, there didn't seem to be anything in the legislation that allowed us to challenge it. Um, So the effect of this was that this um, mother in this case could not be identified because her child couldn't be identified. Uh, She was found not guilty by reason of insanity. The case went on and the media organisations involved who had challenged this ruling decided to challenge it further and take it to the Court of Appeal. Um, The Court of Appeal basically gave the media organisations short shrift in its ruling in October. Um, It found that Uh, the relevant section of the uh, Children Act did not exclude deceased children. It did not exclude children who are now adults and wanted to identify themselves publicly. And Mr Justice George Birmingham, who gave the ruling, said that the media may find the ruling very surprising and a radical departure from long-established practice. But he said the language in the section was clear and unequivocal and made it clear that if change was required, it would be the Arachthus who would have to change it. Yeah, so this act, it's from 2001. How had this never come up before? Well, nobody is quite sure. I mean, as far as we are concerned and as far as I suppose most people, when they talk about the Children Act, um, people believe that this act is there to protect children and to protect children from being identified, particularly where children are still alive, particularly uh, where they've been the victim, for example, of sexual abuse or rape, and to make sure that nothing could be published that would allow those children to be identified, or even if they've been uh, the victim of an assault or anything else. It's really to protect children. Um, And the feeling was that once a child has died, they're no longer in need of that protection because they can't suffer any further harm after that. So it it, it has just never arisen before. And nobody, obviously, people are are well used to the Children Act whenever a child is before the courts, whenever they're charged with anything, uh, whenever they are a, a witness in something. We've seen it in high profile cases where children are charged with very serious crimes and they can't be identified. There is a very, very strong law uh, and very strong legislation to say that children should not be identified. But it, it was never envisaged that it would apply to a child who, who was deceased. Uh, so we're still really at a loss as to why in this particular case it was invoked by the Director of Public Prosecutions. As I say, it hadn't happened in any previous case, uh, to my knowledge, or any previous case that I had reported on before. It didn't even happen in any case after this original case until this Court of Appeal ruling. Uh, so. The legislation allows um, 
the court to dispense with the uh, anonymity of a child if it is satisfied that it's appropriate to do so in the interests of a child and the judge has to then explain in open court why it should do so but that is something that wouldn't happen very often either uh, but really as i say we, we're just not sure why it had never been used before why it didn't seem to have occurred to anybody that this was the impact of this piece of legislation before uh, but certainly there are no doubt now after this court of appeal ruling because for you as a court reporter the main impact of this one is that you can't name the uh, suspected or the charged person if it's a family connection. So if someone is, um, like in this case, charged with uh, the the murder or, or manslaughter of their own children, they can't be named as a result. Yes. Um, and that, you know, there, there is an argument, I suppose, that, you know, for example, in recent high profile cases and a recent high profile case that everybody would be aware of. But as of now, we can only refer to it as the murder of a teenage schoolgirl. There was obviously a strong interest from her family, for example, in getting the details of her life out there in showing that she was much, much more than just a victim of murder. Um, And some families would feel very strongly that they would want that out there, that they would want their child to be remembered and they would want to be able to say as much and say whatever they want about their child. Of course, there would be situations where people would be uncomfortable with the publicity and where people would want to keep it quiet. There would also be perpetrators who would be quite glad to use this anonymity that is bestowed on the victims uh, to use that to make sure that they are their names aren't revealed either and um, so th- th- that 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 is what's happened over uh, the past years that i've been a court reporter we've always been able to name the person uh, and to name the child uh, once that child has died but it's no longer possible and does every judge have to follow this ruling because it has been made in the Court of Appeal? How, like you mentioned that even after this case, other cases were, were different. But now this Court of Appeal ruling has made, is that does that trickle down to all benches? Uh, yes, essentially. This ruling after it was made was criticised by another central criminal court judge, uh, Mr Justice Tony Hunt. And he said in court that the natural and ordinary meaning of the word child Uh, He said this did not encompass a deceased child or a child who was now an adult, Uh, but he said he was bound by it because one of the the effects that this ruling has had that possibly wasn't envisaged again was that people who were abused as children but who are now adults and would like to waive their anonymity or would like to speak out publicly are now not able to do so without dispensation from the court uh, because the, the legislation doesn't differentiate between uh, the word child and a child who is now an adult. So anybody who was the victim of an offence when they were a child can't identify themselves publicly. Uh, in the case that Tony Hunt was dealing with, he, he was dealing with victims of rape and sexual assault who again wanted to waive their anonymity. And he said that they could do that uh, because he used the second clause in the legislation, which allows the court uh, to permit Uh, somebody to waive their anonymity if it's in the interests of the child but he has placed a stay on that order to allow it to be appealed by the convicted person in that case but even though he very much obviously felt that the court of appeal ruling was not correct uh, he is bound by it because it's a higher court. So in that case because there is the stay and the appeal could be made by the convicted person does that mean that there's a certain amount of power that goes to that convicted person in that they could keep the victim quiet? Yes, at the end of the day, the law is what decides whether or not um, the the victim can be named. It does, I suppose, victims would very much feel, and I think um, a woman who spoke to Claire Byrne on the radio show during the week made that point that it felt like her uh, attacker was using this right to anonymity to shield himself rather than uh, rather than it being used in her best interests. And that's certainly an issue. I suppose at the end of the day, 
the law, the wording in the legislation is very clear on the face of it, on a very literal interpretation of it, um, and it doesn't make allowances for these situations. And that's the hope that it will now be changed and will uh, make it very clear uh, that somebody can uh, decide to waive their anonymity when they're an adult and that deceased children are not involved. But at the moment, yes, it is certainly the case that it's being raised by the defence in a number of cases uh, to make sure that they can't be identified if they have a relationship uh, or if by identifying them, it would identify the child or the the now adult that they, they, they committed an offence against. Yeah, we'll be talking to Jim O'Callaghan about the possible legislative fixes. As you mentioned, the Justice Minister um, has said that this this will be um amended at some point in the in the near future but is there was there any possibility that th- this could have been taken to the supreme court after that court of appeal um judgment as i understand at the moment certainly the media organizations who were involved including uh, rte and the irish times and the irish independent who appealed this decision in the first place um, there is certainly a, they had signaled an intention that they would possibly go forward with an appeal and that they would have to get permission from the Supreme Court to be allowed to go to the to the Supreme Court to appeal it. Um, as I understand it at the moment, the the uh, order made by the Court of Appeal hasn't yet been perfected, which is legally it just hasn't been fine, fully finalised yet. Uh, and so the time for an appeal hasn't yet begun ticking. Um, so the media organisations still have that chance to uh, to appeal and may well go forward with an appeal. Uh, the minister has said now that she isn't worried about what's happening with an appeal, that she intends to go forward with trying to change the law anyway, uh, that she is not waiting for an outcome or she's not waiting to see if the media organisations are going to appeal, that she intends now to go forward and to work with officials and possibly with uh, other politicians to try and uh, amend the legislation. There have been proposed uh, amendments published by um, Michael McDool and by Jim O'Callaghan from Fianna Fáil, um, which could uh, deal with the situation very easily and very quickly. Uh, the minister has said that she has been approached by families of children who have been killed and who, uh, she said, wanted to continue their children's legacy, but now felt gagged by this ruling. Uh, and she was also influenced by this uh, victim uh, of rape who spoke on radio uh, and who said that she hadn't yet decided if she wanted to, to be named publicly, but she now felt that she didn't have that choice anymore because of the ruling. Uh, so those kind of issues are obviously weighing on the mind of the minister. And it does seem now as if she's going to go forward and change the law. Uh, no matter what happens in terms of the legal proceedings. And here's that clip you mentioned there, Orla, of that survivor speaking to Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1. But we're now, I'm now in a position where I'm waiting for clarification from the DPP as to whether my anonymity um, can be waived and something that I should have really been afforded to at the time. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be in this position if I had been afforded that at, at the conviction and at the sentencing hearing. Um, but that's something that didn't happen. So I've had to wait 18 months for that to happen. Claire, it's not necessarily about that I want to be identified. It's when something's taken away from you that should be automatically yours and a right that should be mine. And to be freely able to freely talk about something, that's when it becomes a little bit of a bigger picture. Um, and it's almost like you've been silenced and it's been referred to a few times in court documents about a gagging order. Um, you know, that's it's a little bit extreme, but, you know, it's it's almost like um, it's just very upsetting and disappointing that I can't, if I wish to, mm-hmm. um, identify myself. I want to bring in Jim O'Callaghan here. Jim, just heard from that survivor there um, who we can't name, obviously. Is every adult survivor of sexual assault in the same situation as that woman is in now? 
Well, they're in a very uncertain situation, uh, Sinead, because Section 252 of the Act says that you can't provide any details that could identify a child who's a victim uh, of abuse or indeed of any other crime uh, in proceedings. Now, there is subsection 2, which says the court can dispense with it to any specified extent if it thinks it's appropriate to do so in the interest of the child. But there's a huge amount of uncertainty about this at present and the way it's been applied and has been applied by the Court of Appeal in the decision of EC indicates that the, the view is that you cannot identify a child who's a victim in proceedings. And does that have, is it retrospective? So people who have previously spoken out about either the murder of their family member or their, their own um, experience of sexual abuse, can they, do they have to stop talking about that now? Well, the law would certainly um, be a barrier for them to speaking openly about it. I don't think there'd be any suggestion that they would be prosecuted or find themselves in difficulties with the law. But certainly Section 252 is fairly clear in that it says that a person who's a child who's a victim and is in proceedings that they can't be identified. And obviously the whole purpose of the legislation that was introduced back in 2001 was to protect children. But I think recognition wasn't given at the time and it wasn't operated this way either, that if somebody is either a victim of sexual abuse as a child and they subsequently as an adult want to disclose that fact, they're not permitted. Or what appears to be an even more pronounced issue with it is that if a child has been murdered or killed, that that child can't be identified afterwards. And that was something that I don't believe the Oireachtas intended when Section 252 was enacted. And yeah, it does have a huge impact. Like for the example we used earlier of the murder trial and um, the high profile murder trial of a teenage girl in recent years. If we hadn't been able to name her, it would have been very difficult for families to talk about her life rather than just her murder and for the public to understand what had actually happened. Does that kind of play against the idea, the important idea of justice being done in public? Yeah, I think it does. I think uh, there's obviously a reason why you'd want to protect the identity of a child who is the victim of, say, sexual abuse or assault. Like that makes sense that you don't want that detail put out into the public domain because it could make life more difficult for that child. Obviously, when they're an adult, they may wish to alter that. But where a child has been murdered or has been unlawfully killed, that's different. The interests of the child do not require that the child's anonymity be protected. And the child isn't being benefited by that anonymity being protected. But it's also going to be very confusing because if, you know, if there's a tragic event today and a child is found killed, obviously the media are entitled to report the name of the child, where the child was found. But once proceedings commence, then you have to stop identifying the name of the child. So it, it, it produces some absurd results. And also, I think my concern is that media organisations are going to be very concerned about even identifying a child found killed from the moment that the child is found, even before proceedings. Yeah, because we don't necessarily know when charges will be brought. And so we don't know when something goes into subjudice. You're looking at remedying this as quickly as possible. What is your proposed legislation and how would it work? 
Well, I've drafted a children amendment bill that simply seeks to amend section 252. And what I would say is that the provisions of section 252 do not apply where proceedings for an offence against a child have been commenced or have been prosecuted when that child is deceased. So in the first instance, it would deal with the situation where somebody has been prosecuted for the manslaughter or murder of a child. And I've also said that where a person has been involved as a child, as being a victim, that once they become an adult, that anonymity can be waived if they wish to waive that anonymity. And that's not provided for at present in Section 252. Now, I know Michael McDool has also drafted a children's bill as well. In fairness to Minister Helen McEntee, I know she's keen to uh, amend the law. She recognises the need for this section to be amended. And I just think it's important that we act promptly on this to try to ensure that Section 252 is amended in the near future. And what's the difference between your bill and Senator McDool's? There is very little. I'm just looking at Michael's here. He he doesn't include the second provision, which would entitle um, people who were victims of sexual abuse when they were children to waive that anonymity when they're adults. And I think that's worth including. So I think that part of my thing should go in. He does the exact same as me in respect of the deceased. He says it shouldn't apply for any proceedings for an offence of murder, attempted murder or manslaughter. And also he does another thing which I don't do and which improves the proposal is he makes it retrospective so that it applies to all legislation or all cases in the past. Mine doesn't do that, although you could say it's implied into it. But listen, between the two of them, there's enough there and it's, it's a small amendment that's required. There's enough there to ensure that we can get around this difficulty. For those non-fatal offences, things like um, sexual abuse, will that mean that the person can decide on the day of sentencing as has been the practice in the in the last 20 years? Not if they're a child. Obviously, the Section 252 just deals with offences against a child. So obviously, under the amending legislation that I'd introduce, if that person was still a child, they couldn't waive their anonymity at that stage. However, once they got to the age, age of 18, they could. Uh, would this, these pieces of legislation, are they simple to enact? What kind of timeline are we looking at here? Well, I, I'm, I'm pleased to say, like I know the minister wants to do this. Uh, I spoke to her yesterday. I think this is a, a, a small amending provision that could be attached to any piece of legislation coming from justice that's going through the houses of the Oireachtas this month or next month. Like You do not need to do a vast amount of work in respect of it. All it is is changing Section 252 so that first, it doesn't apply to situations where the child is deceased. And second, that once the child becomes an adult, they have the option to waive their anonymity. It's not that complicated. But what needs to be done is it needs to be put into a piece of legislation and then it can be fast tracked through the Oireachtas. We've seen before that when the legislation, we saw it in respect of COVID, obviously a huge emergency, that we can get legislation through the houses of Oireachtas very promptly if the political will is there to do it. I believe the minister has the political will, but and I think we need to move promptly on it. Is there anything else in the Children's Act? Obviously, you've been looking at it closely. Um, this was lying quite dormant for the last uh, 19 years. Is there anything else in there that you spotted while you were drafting this piece of legislation? 
Well, I didn't like go through it all with a very close eye, but can I say this to you? The Children Act is a very good piece of legislation. It was enacted for the purpose of ensuring that there were statutory measures in place to protect children. There's lots of uh, provisions in it that deal with situations where children are offenders, probation officers reports. It works very well. What is surprising, I suppose, is that this provision, which has been on the statute book for 19 years now, was only invoked for the first time recently in the case that went to the Court of Appeal. So it hadn't been invoked uh, prior to that to exclude coverage of children who had been murdered. And, you know, I think that's a big issue in it. And it's the, it's the one section that stands out as creating not only an anomaly, but uh, absurdities as well. Yeah, and hopefully it'll be rectified uh, very quickly. We'll be keeping an eye. Thanks so much, Jim O'Callaghan, and thanks to Orla O'Donnell for joining us on The Explainer today. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Orla and Jim for joining us. If you read the journal, you may have seen our appeal in the last few months for you to support our journalism. It's been a difficult time for media as advertising revenues fell drastically during the pandemic. But we are and want to keep providing you with valuable, accessible journalism. Loads of you felt it's important for society to have that open access to news and good information like this podcast and have supported us. A lot of you asked if there was a way you could give more regularly. We now have options for you to become a regular contributor. And if this is something you'd like to do, please head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by executive producer Christine Bohan and producers Aoife Barry and Nikki Ryan. If you're enjoying these episodes, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And more importantly, share with a friend who you think will enjoy them. Thank you and catch you next time.